Hey, this is your host Brian Wayne here, and uh, I'm here to let you know, in case you did not know already, uh, that the Cheers to Comics podcast has since evolved. And uh, if you're looking for a new shiny place to get your comic books from, then you need to head on over to Shop cheers to comics.com it's like cheers to comics.com only with the shop in front of it uh shop cheers to comics.com and if you use code podcast at checkout you're going to save yourself 10 percent and i'm constantly adding new inventory hot spec books uh everything everything any any type of book under the sun is it uh as it, as it comes under my radar and it gets added into the inventory, I, I make it available to you. So remember, head on over to shopcheerstocomics.com and use code PODCAST at checkout and save yourself 10%. A pre-roll time. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly sponsored by Inked Marketing Solutions and the Inked Marketing Crowdfunded comic for this episode. Well, it's going to belong to The Last Night of Twilight. Coming soon from the producer of Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, and the new Batman Superman Adventures. Yes, the man is uh, a legend in animation. Pinky and the Brain sold right there. The Last Night of Twilight. What happens when you're broke, but your endless war against crime isn't over? The Last Night of Twilight is a story about an everyday superhero. He has no powers. He has no thirst for justice. But now his body is starting to portray him. But he just can't stop. <sighs> Even a personal injury suit and losing all of his cool stuff won't stop him. His sidekick turning bad? That ain't gonna stop him. His or former adversaries returning or retiring, not returning, retiring, that ain't gonna stop him, but age, age is a son of a bitch, age is gonna, uh, might stop him, it might, I don't know, uh, we have a comic book here, people, uh, like I said, it, it, the, 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 the team behind this, mm, mm, I can't wait to see, oh, I'm looking at this cover here, man, you got this, this pretty dark hooded looking figure, and you got like an, uh, like a walker, like an old man walker, not a walker Texas ranger, like a, like a, like a tennis ball on the feet type of walker. Oh, I love it, man. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I'm into it. So uh, head on over to www.twinight.com. That's T-W-I-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. And uh, get in on this, man. I got a good feeling. And like I said, pinky in the brain. Come on. Come on. Age of Radio. Back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 372. The 372nd episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast will be a creator corner. And the creator that I brought back for this here episode, well, um, he's back for a fourth time. It's none other than the man, Monty Michael Moore. I had to add another uh, alliteration to that. 
Amazing name. Um, no, Monty's been on the, the the podcast several times before. We've already done our origin episodes, so you're just going to have to dig way deep for that one. Um, but he's back to talk the uh, second chapter of Blood and Bullets. Now on Kickstarter, so you gotta you gotta get on on this one, people. And if you didn't get the first one, of course you're gonna have an opportunity to catch up. And uh, yeah, but I'm not gonna talk all about it now. That's that's what the uh, well the interview's for. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for you guys to to hear from Monty. And if it's a first for you, then buckle up because the man. The, 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 uh, he's just a, a joy to listen to. He really is. It's it's, <laughs> it's such a joy to listen to. So, yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, I got to shout out the newest affiliate of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and that's going to be Nerds Forever. 307nerdsforever.com. 307nerdsforever.com for all of your comic book shopping needs, whether it's laps or back issues or new books. Or even figures and toys and Pokemon cards. It's got everything a shop would have online. So check out 307nerdsforever.com for, like I said, all of your amazing comic book needs. And they got the stuff that eBay likes to hike up, too. So, you know, before you go to eBay, start paying those fair market value prices. I urge you to check out Nerds Forever first. 307nerdsforever.com. And while you're checking out... Use code CHEERS and save yourself 10% more off already amazingly priced merchandise. So 307nerdsforever.com, cheers at checkout. You know what to do now. Without any further ado, I bring to you the fourth appearance of Monty Michael Moore. Alright, welcome back Monty. How are you, man? Fan-friggin-tastic. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, you know, I I I got to see it just a few days ago. It seemed. I mean, it was just a few days ago. So I know. It was that nice was a pleasant finally... thing to have Comic Cons back, wasn't it, man? Oh, I'm, I was like a a kid in the candy store. There, I was there with my press pass, and I was just I was I was prowling through Artist Alley like a fucking tiger, man. Just, I mean, it was. I it was, was impressed so at, at how big the Artist Alley was. There was, you know, for being a smaller show for Denver, right. it was really quite the layout. They had a lot of creative talent there. They did, yeah. And even with the cancellations they had, there was still plenty to keep you busy. That that's for sure. I just kind of wish they would put it a little bit closer to the entrance. Though that's yeah. my only that's my only gripe with how they did it. They they had the talent there for you know, they they admit it, look, it's gonna be sixty to seventy percent capacity. Um but I mean, like I said, the fact that you know you, you people are coming through on their way to Artist Alley, but they're buying all the prints and stuff from all the, you know, just the other people that aren't really, you know, like the, the comic book creators. Yeah, right, they're, they're, they're not. Yeah. So by the time they get the artist alley, they're like, oh, shit, I spent all my money. It's like, yeah, but you yeah, could have got. Not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's my only problem with like how it was lined up. But it was their first time doing it. I'm, I'm, I know that they'll, ah, man, it, it was it was so awesome walking under that artist alley banner again. And see, ah, I, I haven't got to shake hands with anybody since I started this podcast. And it's, it's it's all because of COVID and stupid stuff like that. So, yep, it was nice, man. It was nice. And uh, I, I noticed you had quite the reception yourself at, at Fan Expo, for sure. You had uh, a lot of people real excited to see it, man. It was it was it cool was, seeing your setup. It was nice because having, you know, a year, year and a half off from conventions, on the one hand, it gave me a lot of studio time. We launched you know, three graphic novel projects. This is our fourth coming up next week mm-hmm. within essentially just under a year, year and a half time frame. And so it's, 
it's helped people like myself kind of focus a little bit and be able to stay home and travel less. But then when you were able to go out and say, here's my comic that I published that maybe you hadn't heard of before. So it was really cool to have fans both in New York and Denver come to the first time ever that I've been tabling and say, wow, what is this? And I could say, this is something that I wrote and produced, you know, cover artist for, I didn't do all the interior art because I don't have that kind of time in my life. Uh, but for someone like me, who's created literally hundreds and hundreds of covers for everybody else and have done three to 400 conventions, it was a milestone for me to be in Denver and saying, this is my book. That's my book. These are Lady Death. These are other publishers. But I could have 10 feet of table of nothing but covers and options for both Local Hero and Blood and Bullets. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you had quite the setup for sure. I mean, Artist Alley, I mean, Monty's setup really. I mean, that was that was the one like you. Walk out, <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, there was there was. Some, well, you know, I, I everybody had their. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, clearly, you, you that's that's exactly what it is. Too. I mean, you you got to make sure everybody knows, you know, where to go, because I mean, everybody's had their, you know, their their classic modest banner. But you with your 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 setup, I mean, it was it was an exhibit. I mean, it was yeah, well, I mean, it was, you might as well it was the first time the new banners that you saw, people would have to look online for pictures were made for that show and shows going forward. So for me, although it was a step down that I didn't have a 20 by 20 four booth set, like I'd done in the past, it was still a really nice comics focused booth there with two artists, uh, guest artist tables that they gave me. And so it was really more about the table space and just comics, a couple yeah. of prints, but then over in our other booth, uh, I did have an exhibitor space that Joshua Andrews ran for me. That was just our, Mandalorian Kincaid uh -huh. <laughs> booth. And so, you know, I left a lot of the other pop culture stuff at home. I didn't take sculptures and prints and art books and things like that. We just kind of kept it focused. And um, honestly, the, the sales were commensurate with previous years when I had a bigger space, but I had a quarter of the overhead. Wow. wow. Actually, I mean, more like a sixth of the overhead. See, that's that, that's something to take from for sure. I mean, yeah. a, a bigger isn't always more, you know. Right. I mean, it's uh, sometimes it's yeah. Uh, that, that, well, you're trying awesome. to find that sweet spot. Like even New York was very successful too, and I had one booth, a corner booth. So you have to make do with two tables yeah. uh, instead of you know filling a forty foot booth or a twenty foot booth at Comic Con in San Diego. So. You just, you know, you're always adapting and trying different things. And sometimes it's nice to roll in and only have a setup that takes two, three hours instead of 60. Right. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, and that that plays a lot into, I mean, essentially how the con goes for you too. I mean, setting up a, a giant booth like that, it's going to be exhausting. And then you're exhausted before oh, the con man. starts. And yeah. I mean, uh, it's... I, I saw that firsthand, getting to kind of walk the floor early on Friday. You know, just uh, how... Uh, how, uh, like I said, exhausting really is the word. Some some creators, I mean, they would just uh, kick their ass having to be there. And I mean, this altitude doesn't help either. But um, on on top of it, all having to rush and yeah, and, no. And then you know they're they just want to sit down and eat a goddamn granola bar and recharge. But then at that point, it's hey, will you sign my book? And mm -hmm. you know, 
can't eat now. I can't get food in my hand. I'm handling people's books. And I mean, yeah. people oftentimes don't realize that, you know, what, what, what you creators go through to be able to set up to do all that. But right. Um, and, you, and it's hard to stand out too. There's so many different artists with different art styles and great mm-hmm. art and new books. And um, I try not to be one of those artists that puts up what I call the wall of prints. That's, you know, a bunch of 11 by 17 prints and plastic sleeves taped together that make a 15 foot high wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might've been different 15 years ago, but now it's the norm. And so you're just like, oh yeah, another guy who has 80 images that they want me to try to look at all at once. Whereas right. I'm more likely to actually say, here's my, here's a print book. Look through it and tell me what you like, the, yes. you know, cause we all do things differently. And I would, I would say the, the vast majority, if not all of the, the, the big heavy hitters and artist alley that, I mean, that, that, that's how they came. I didn't see any big giant walls of prints like that. As far as any, any tables that I was going to visit, at least. Usually um, your, your more established pro guys, aren't the guys who do the wall O prints. It's, it's more of the guy who just has uh, fan art, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of the wall of fan art. And there was five or 10 of them that were there. But to me, you're, it's more of a shotgun approach as opposed to a laser beam and saying, yeah, you know, this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I understand what you're saying there completely. I mean, these are all things that, you know, other creators, um, you know, as they're listening and aspiring to, you know, gear up for their first convention, these are all things they need to know for sure. I mean, we're not just talking about this to talk about. I mean, this is right. to take a notes right now. I mean, nobody knows better than Monty when it comes to this stuff. And, <laughs> well, I mean, and, and it- everything works differently for different people. Obviously a lot of the artists who are trying to get noticed, they're doing that for a reason because they probably have found some success with it. Um, but man, I don't want to put up that, you know, giant wall of prints and haul them all around. And I've tried smaller versions of it in the past. I did it once at Chicago where I just had a smaller wall that had a bunch of prints on it and I just didn't find it very successful. So I said, I'm not doing that again, you know, but that was 12 years ago or something at I think the very first C2E2, it was, it was, a, it was a long time ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it was, it was awesome seeing you there for sure. And getting to shake yeah. your hand. And I, I think it was a pretty successful fan expo, you know, like I said, for being was, a, a, a soft open, like they did. Um, yeah. I was uh, pleasantly I was, surprised. And there was a lot of cosplay. Obviously it was Halloween weekend. You know, people were there to have a good time. It felt like, you know, groundhog day. And suddenly all the groundhogs could come out and be like, look, it's sunny. Let's go play. And, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, I had probably my most successful show in Denver ever. Uh, So I I was, I was happy. That's awesome. Um, You, you had something else to exhibit there as well. Um, You, 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 you've since, I I don't know if it's happened since we've last talked, we've talked a few times now um, and you're, you're, you're so busy and you're, you're always doing the next thing. I don't remember if we've talked about it yet, but um, if we haven't, congratulations on all the star wars stuff you know formally on this podcast i mean that's 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 awesome and you you were able to showcase that at at, um fan expo as well uh how how, how was that that was the first time i ever got to actually sell the uh part of the product line so i had gotten to do a signing at the art of disney at disney world in florida uh this last spring so you know to to roll into the store the art of disney saying, hey, Monty Moore is going to be here and be signing and remarking prints was another kind of milestone thing, right? I would have never thought I would have done something like that in my career. 
so the Mandalorian collection is something I'm doing for Thomas Kincaid Studios. So people know the Kincaid Studios name from the picturesque cottages and beautiful scenes and things. But Thomas Kincaid died in 2012 and his widow has taken over and it manages part of the company. And they've gone out and gotten pretty much the four big licenses, Disney, Star Wars, DC, and Marvel. So they have licensed prints for all of those properties. And I had approached them about doing art for them. It was right when the Mandalorian dropped two years ago, like this time last year, November, December. And so I watched the first couple episodes, of course, the world's introduced to Grogu, Baby Yoda, and, you know, breaks the internet. And so I immediately messaged him and I said, you know, you guys have a Star Wars license and we hadn't done anything Star Wars yet. And I said, does your license include the Mandalorian? Could we do something? And they were like, let me check. Let me get back to you. So within like a week or a couple of days, they got back and said, you know, we, we've amended our contract. We're allowed to do the Mandalorian. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And so what started out as I thought maybe we could do a piece or two has turned into a series and me being the exclusive artist for the series. Um, and we're doing, I'm doing a painting for every episode. That's so awesome. So a key or a pivotal moment or a scene or something that captures part of this kind of lone wolf and cub kind of storyline slash Ronin, you know, kind of thing happening. Uh, and so right now over on my artboard over here, I can't show it, uh, mm. is the uh, 11th painting uh, in the series. So I'm trying to play catch up to the 16 that are released. And although I don't get any sneak previews, I basically watch the episodes over and over. And then I can request high res images of, of characters and things like that. If I need to see, you know, the okay. bandolier or how something's done up close, then they have certain things that I'm privileged to that are like close up movie stills and stuff like that. That's awesome, man. I, I, I can't imagine how surreal that feeling is. You know, I mean, it's pretty I, cool it, as a nerd, you know, who's a big right. Star Wars guy. <laughs> I mean, I, even even the biggest creators out there, I mean, all of them. I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, the, the, being able to be the person to, to, to do the licensed Mandalorian work, the first one right. to get that opportunity. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a dream come true for anybody. Uh, it was very there. challenging and, and daunting in a way yeah. <laughs> oh, for I, me. I, I, I right? couldn't imagine. If, if the artwork isn't great, even if they approve it, if it doesn't sell, they're not going to keep hiring you. So it wasn't right. like I have a contract that says I get to do every, every time I do a couple of paintings and we sign a new contract, which means they need to be kept happy and the product line needs to be successful. Right. And then they can also sub license it out to, uh, say, Seiko, which is the big puzzle creator. They've already licensed three of the images for puzzles. There's one over here over my uh, shoulder here. Um, It's uh, up there on the wall. You can see it there behind me. Oh, gotcha. On the middle on the middle shelf. That's one of the little puzzles there. Uh, And then over my shoulder here. Oh, you can. I I just hung them the other night. There's two of the paintings. So there's a. The top one's called Child's Play, and the bottom one is called Two for the Road. And hopefully, I'll eventually I'll get to also be able to sell those online. Uh, But currently, you can buy them uh, direct from Kincaid Studios, and I believe some of them are available on Amazon through their official 
portal, but my goal will be eventually to be not just a dealer at conventions like Fan Expo, but where people can just reach out anytime and say, I want a limited edition. I want an open edition. I want a puzzle. I want a so-and-so. And they'll be able mm. to buy direct from the artist. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so cool to see, you know, um, just, I don't know. I, Disney's real stingy with how, how they allow things. So for them, you know, right off the bat, you know, I mean, you said yourself with the, after the first couple of episodes, you knew enough. Okay. I got to reach out and be the guy. Um, for, I mean, I think it was almost a year before the, they allowed the first Funko pop even to be released. Like they were Probably, real, yeah. real stingy on all the Mandalorian protective. stuff. Yes. Very uh, protective. Yeah. And it's, oh, and, it's a, and it's a high bar, you know, I mean, not every bit of star Wars product that I see come out, maybe as something I would put on my shelf and there's a lot of it, but they also try to cater to the wide range of you know, you have the more animated look and series like you might have from Rebels or Clone Wars, but that wasn't targeted towards me. They were trying to get new Star Wars fans who mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, got into Star Wars because of how old they were at the time. Now they're 25 or 30 years old and they're Star Wars fans because of their introduction to that. Yeah, uh, it, it's an amazing thing, man. And here you are getting to produce that. The, the, this art that you know no one else really gets the privilege to produce right now i mean not legally at least right yeah there's um, a lot of fan art out there but um one of the other things that's kind of cool and a little bit unique is i'm currently the only artist and i'm sure there will be more in other series that actually has their signature on the art and so typically oh, in shit. the past when licensed art came out it would say thomas kincaid studios just like these prints do but never before has the studio said your name is going to be on the front, your name is going to be on the box or the art on the back. So on the puzzles, you turn it over, it says art by Monty Moore. On the front of all of these prints over here, it says my name right on the front, Monty, has my signature. And I'm the first artist that they've ever allowed to, to, to have their name associated with the marketing. So that kind of feels a little bit more like in that category of You've made it a little bit more. I would imagine you know? so, man. Um, I, I mean, mean you, I never, re- you never rest on your laurels. Let me just say that. I, you mm-hmm. never just make it and then coast. I, I'm, uh, my foot's on the gas harder now than it was ever before in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. And it shows. Um, what, what do you think made them, um, I mean, change their ways, I guess, as far as allowing the, the, the signature and the name to be uh, credited to this? I mean, is it something that, I mean, it's that marketing. you brought up? Uh, or... I, I, I did bring it up. I just said, okay. I, think I just said, I think you'll sell more product if people uh, know yeah. it's me. And I have a, I'm pretty good, as you know, with social media. So I post mm-hmm. Instagram and I have Facebook groups and things like that. And if the artist can't go over here and go, look, look, I made this, I made this, go buy this. Here's where you buy it. If we just, if the product just silently comes out and you can't say that's mine, then your fans aren't going to go, well, geez, I like Star Wars and I like Monty. So if I'm going to buy Star Wars art, I'm going to buy his. And that's how fans work. Fans are loyal. They're They're friends, right? And that's one of the reasons why I think in the last sort of, five years or so, I feel like I'm experiencing more success is because 27 to 30 years of fan support, you know, you've got that base underneath Mm -hmm. you of everybody that I've ever met, drawn for, done projects, 
you bring that together through social media and you can have your own, you know, fan group and things like that. And they, they're there to support you. When you say, I have a new Kickstarter, I'm asking for your help. And even if they can't support financially, they go, I don't read comics. I'm not going to go, you know, support a vampire cowboy comic book. They might get a commission or they might share it out on your page. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that direct support, but they kind of want to support you for what you're doing because they like yes. who you are as an artist. So they want you to succeed, not fail. And that's why crowdfunding is magical in many ways. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not, mm-hmm. I mean, let, well, let, let's get down to this crowdfunding, this blood and bullets number two. Um, I, I, I've, uh, I was just telling you kind of beforehand in the green room, I, I just got done rereading B- Blood and Bullets number one. I was able to get the, uh, the signature at the con. Uh, my local hero came signed because um, it, it came through uh, Kevin at Inked Marketing, and right. he, he yep. was able to hand deliver that. But to have oh, cool. you actually sign this one for me, that, that was pretty badass. And, you know, I got another signature while I was there because Sean Callahan was also there. Oh, look at that. Now, that's uh, a rare book. Yeah, signed, signed by you know part artist and part writer creator. Oh yeah, he was he was adamant. He's like, I gotta sign the interiors. That's that's, that's my favorite part. And I was like, Well, absolutely, right? pick whatever page you want, man. I mean, it's your book, <laughs> sign it. <laughs> you know, yep. I love it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, this we 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 talked uh, about the the first campaign when you came on, but that was before I got the chance to actually read it. I just figured it was gonna be good because Loco Hero Number One kicked ass. Great. Um, uh, but now I got to talk about blood and bullets, uh, having read it. All right. So and... tell people what you think. Oh, Jesus, man. I, I, I love this book, man. <laughs> I'm so happy that this is continuing on, you know, the, 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 this funded and people are <laughs> excited for the second campaign. You know, I mean, I, I know I'm excited for the second campaign. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I expected this to be very, vampire centric like that's but it's that's just another aspect of this book right it's actually kind of a subtle part and actually the word vampires never ever said Uh, see yeah (laughs) i I, exactly i mean it it, it was awesome man it it felt like i was uh i I was reading a western you know i mean that's 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 what i wanted i call it a supernatural western but sometimes to get people to know what it is if i say instead of cowboys and indians it's cowboys and vampires they're like oh oh well now you have my attention because i like both those things yes yes yeah Uh, at its core it's much more tombstone than it is say underworld or something like that you know but there's a there's some flavor crossover because you've got some badass leading females Yes. You know, on both sides of the protagonist and antagonist. But uh, the the other, you know, sort of cultural part of the stories, like uh, the character of Blackbird, who is trying to find her way in the sense that she, you know, married a a, a, a white person, Blackbird's brother, uh, Mary's brother. Mm-hmm. And neither her father wants her to be there, nor the townspeople want her to be there, because this would have been very unorthodox at the time. And so right. she's feeling pretty unloved. And even when Mary gets to town, she's snubbing her and, you know, making rude remarks and, you know, like, oh, man, really? You know, Native right. American, you know, we just got done, you know, fighting them kind of thing. And so trying to do something different with the characters and show some acceptance and some struggles, even though it's, it's an action story, 
But I oh, think a lot of action stories don't have quality, what we call a B storyline, right? What are the secondary things that are happening and getting to see maybe the transition of Mary's character to not only accept, but then embrace Blackbird yes. to say, you know, it's okay if you continue to take care of my nieces. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that move in there, I mean, that, that it, it wasn't just uh, okay, let's team up and figure this out together. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I, I figured it would go, but no, I mean, she went as bold as to say like, no, oh, no, you're, you're their mom. Like there, there was no questioning that in any way, shape or form. It's like, you're, you're close, the closest thing to a mother. So yeah, I mean, just that, that growth within, you know, that, that, that one issue's time, you know, how she's able to, you know, accept and, you know, realize, you know, this right. is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the whole, just to remind people, so what it, th this entire story arc of the two issues is a 100 page screenplay that I've chopped in half into two graphic novels. And it's a screenplay that had been optioned three or four different times to be put into production, but those production companies weren't able to raise the funds. So I got my rights back and I decided, Hey, I'm, I'm going more of the route of graphic novels to get my stories out there first. Then I can use the graphic novel, hopefully to gain attention to eventually Hollywood reps or producers, that sort of thing. Right. Right. And I mean, the entire time I was reading this too, I was like, this is, this is meant to be cinematic. You know, I don't, this is, this is awesome. I mean, uh, I, uh, I was actually trying to picture in my head the whole time, like the characters I was so drawn to. I mean, I'm like, who would play these characters? Like there's there's so right. many, yeah, I mean, there's, and I, I, I guess I kind of have to geek out and ask you, I mean, in a perfect world who plays bloody Mary, who plays Blackburn? Oh, uh, you know that I, I hadn't given that much thought to, really? I mean, uh, that would be difficult because like, I guess flavor wise, when I first wrote the script, I was thinking of a Kate Beckinsale from Underworld type of character. Now yes, in yeah. Underworld, she's a vampire. However, Mary, as far as you know, mm -hmm. is not a vampire, but she's an ass kicking female who wears leather and, you know, takes no guff and that kind a of legend thing. in town, you know, a legendary gunslinger. You don't fuck with me. I mean, yeah, that's, right. That's, yeah. Right. And she's also different in that. I don't make it where in my world, somebody like her, a woman carrying guns, riding a horse, wearing chaps and things like that. It's not common. It's not accepted. Right. So rather than just saying, well, it's a comic book. I can get away with whatever I want. They're still pretty set in a post-civil war you know, kind of era and look and what people are wearing and how they talk and what their education might be, all those kinds of things. Yet she's different because she does carry a gun. And for the most part, she gets hired to like protect cattle drives or a ranch or, you know, run off rustlers or, you know, something like that. Mm. It's, you know, a gunfighter or somebody who's good with a gun still has to make a living. You don't just walk around and kill people and like have money in your pocket unless you're a murderer, which right, she is right. not, <laughs> right. you know? Um, and so I was trying to make it believable, even though I'm writing a story that has vampires in it. I right. like my stories to be grounded, much like Loco Hero is a superhero story without actually anybody being a superhero, but they do heroic things exactly. that are believable. Yeah, I mean, and, and with this, I mean, the the very believable part of this is it's time to avenge her brother. You know, I mean, that's the, the, yeah, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna be like, 
And back then, if you found somebody who killed your brother, you pretty much were just, you could shoot him. Like that guy killed my brother or these people, or this person stole my horse. You could shoot him in the street and be like, that's my horse. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So once again, a very, I mean, for what are the realistic? I mean, this street is something justice. that, yeah, uh, this is street justice. Yes. <laughs> um, so with the with this campaign now um i i, I know that you you're, you're you're becoming a master of kickstarter no doubt about it you you, oh, you can no, raise no. The i have a lot to learn <laughs> well there's always there's always a lot to learn no doubt but i you, know you have... i know more about the art i can i think i'm confident in helping to put together good graphics um yeah you know and the visuals part i feel confident with i feel confident in the storytelling um i will say we just launched a new uh anime and we call it an animation it's like a motion graphic video and i was kevin, just watching it it's pretty yeah badass. kevin uh g over at inked marketing and his team put that together and i love it 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 absolutely met and exceeded my expectations when i said hey here's the assets you think you and your team could do something because i'm not an animator and you know, woke up this morning, saw that and was like, oh man, that captures the excitement of what I'm going for. Because sometimes when you're just watching and you're reading a, a Kickstarter campaign, it doesn't amp you up. It doesn't catch the excitement of, you know, oh, well, I don't know the whole story, right? We can only tease out the story right, of what's in the comic. And, and I felt that he captured that really nicely as a dynamic kind of element. So that kind of thing I'm excited about. The the part I haven't figured out is Facebook advertising and how one ad will do fantastic and another ad won't. And so it's it's this very mysterious thing where people like Brian Polito, they have a great understanding over at Coffin Comics. Um, but those kinds of things you have to learn yourself. There's yeah. no buy a book and completely understand how you know, it works or why this keyword was great. And that word wasn't. And yeah. I had some great ads that I, I thought were great ads that I was running for local hero. And you try to see what people's engagement are because you can see your analytics. And I was like, Oh my God, this, this ad cost me like a dollar every time it was shown or somebody looked at it and you're trying to get more like 10 cents and under. Right. Per, per impression. And then there was another ad that I threw up there was a it was the Mike DeBalfo. It was actually this one. It was his uh uh oh, yeah. kind of dinosaurs uh cover and it was the the close up of the image was kind of just more like right about in here. Okay. So it it was super close up and I didn't do any there wasn't any titling or anything on it. It didn't say local hero number 2 award winning. It didn't say the dates. And it stuff it had that image and it said here's the campaign and I, it was the best ad I ever ran. And it cost me like wow. four cents. Wow. And I was like, okay, I'm doing more ads like that next time. <laughs> yeah, so I learned something, yeah, you know? Okay. Yeah. Th these Facebook al algorithms. I mean, I see uh, a lot of my peers complaining about it all the time saying, I don't understand. I have 5,000 friends. And I mean, last I checked, we were all still cool. Um, but I put up a thing and I get four likes on it. What's going yep. on? And, it's, and it, it happens it, it, it's, all of us. There's yeah. no, I mean, if I could have uh, more than 5,000 friends, I'm sure at the moment I'd probably be at like 20,000 because over the years you have to chop right. off 
hundreds of people who aren't being active and say, follow right. my artist page, follow my certified Montiax group or follow my blood and bullets page. And so I'm trying to post all three to see where things get traction. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's it really, it's, it's tough to, to figure out, especially all by yourself. Like I said, there's no handbook. You know, I no. mean, Facebook changes their, I mean, shit, they changed their name yesterday or some shit like that. I mean, I'm, there's no yeah, keeping up supposed with anything. It's supposed to be a meta thing now. We'll see if that yeah. sticks. I mean, well, Facebook is still going to say Facebook, but I think yeah. the parrot company is trying to go virtual gotcha. reality metaverse, you know, with the Oculus Quest 2, which I have one. I love it. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mostly do like exercise, you know, saber games and okay, you know, okay. punching and fighting and stuff. And that's how I get my exercise. Right on. Right <laughs> on. But I mean, yeah, it, it, it's so it, it's hard to, to keep track of with all of this stuff. It's hard to, to, to know what, what, what the right thing to do is to make sure that you know, everything works out the way it is. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, not everybody listens to podcasts to figure out how to get their Kickstarter information, you know, so you, you have to go. Well, to- you have the same obstacles. How do you, how do you grow your, you know, your listening mm. audience and how do you get to the point where, you know, this is a, possibly a full-time job where it's, it's monetized and it's successful and it's on all the platforms and you can say, this is what I do now. I've become an expert. People come to me as a resource and there's people out there who, you know, do it full-time and there's people who do it as a hobby. And right. I've listened to some podcasts and I'm like, this person's an idiot. Like they just, I I don't like listening to them. They don't sound knowledgeable. The only thing that makes them have a podcast is they have a microphone. Yeah. Right. But I would much rather listening to you and a lot of the other comics podcasts because it's enjoyable. You're articulate. You make it fun and you're knowledgeable. When you bring all that stuff together, that's what a podcast should be about. But I've been trying to learn more about NFTs and what the world of crypto and stuff is like, because I'm an artist and I can offer those. And some of these podcasts are like running paper or sandpaper across your tongue. You're like, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's tough, man. But somehow, some way, those are the ones that are uh, defeating the algorithms and climbing to the top. I mean, so it's 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 hard to to gauge on what works. I mean, yep, he said, yeah. Kudos to to anybody that has the 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 balls to still want to do Kickstarters now, because I mean, so most of the time it's one and yeah, okay, no, that was enough. I'll just go to a publisher next time. This sucked, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, here you are. You're you're still grinding it out. You're still doing it, and I mean, succeeding every time. I know inked marketing kicks ass. You know, they 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 help out tremendously. But in the end, I mean, you, you have the the product to back it up and. That's that's what's going to keep people coming to issue two and issue three and issue four of Blood and Bullets and Loco right. Hero. So well, and we'll be sure to offer the issue one, you know, and digital version. So people who are looking for yes. the less expensive option or purely the reader option, uh, we learned our lesson on Loco Hero two, where we didn't right out of the gate offer an issue number one because we were doing a, a Indiegogo campaign simultaneously, and we right. were saying, hey, yeah, go over to Indiegogo, grab it, and they're like you're making me go to two portals. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we learned our lesson. We're like, Hey, you know, we want the new customers and backers and readers to be just as happy as the existing. So we'll be offering those, you know, bundles simultaneously. Yeah. No, no, I think that's the right move too. Um, it's like, it's going to two different places. It's hard to keep track of. Uh, it is. I mean, there's, 
I think I, I back three new Kickstarters just this week, you know, so it, it, it gets, it's tough to keep track of, but I mean, knowing that you're going to be able to offer it all in one package on this one, that's, that, that, that's awesome, man. Um, I know that you, uh, um, you still have uh, at least a few of the, uh, the, the hard copies of the blood and bullets number one available. I mean, just you're, you're taking oh, yeah. on the tour. So you're over to, well, we always uh, much uh, as a suggestion from Brian Polito, the king of Kickstarter, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you we, you kind of always over order by ten to twenty percent of what you need for damage and extra shipping, and you yeah. want to have some copies for the convention, unless it's a specific book that is numbered. If that sells out, and you know, then those aren't available, and people say, "I want this copy," but there are certain other books that are open edition, and uh, so I haven't done the art yet, but we. We have a version in this one called the Heroes Edition, and that's going to be going to Heroes and Horses. And so that, awesome. uh, you know, I, I do a philanthropy level on all of my Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And so um, in that particular one, uh, it's an organization, I believe that one's out of Montana. And much like with the last one where we did uh, equine therapy, uh, yes. one that uh, was here in Colorado, uh, this one, Heroes and Horses, works with veterans and horses to bring together the equine therapy. And they were a highly rated char- charity, and I believe they're out of Montana, Montana or awesome. Wyoming. Um, and uh, anybody who's back local hero knows that I like to support veterans and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we were still looking for a charity that still had a Western slant. We still wanted to tie in. We could have, you know, we could have done a blood bank donation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have worked. It would have worked. Um, but uh, so for the for that heroes level one, we'll have um, the that, and then they'll also we're going to do some unlocking tiers where some of the original art from myself and other artists that I own the originals to will unlock at certain levels, and then if a collector wants to buy that, that original will be available for purchase as we uh, hit certain levels you, you definitely know how to uh to to mm-hmm, create desirability when it comes to those unlocking tiers that, that's for sure i've noticed a couple of times now a few campaigns out there they'll have some cool stuff hey you know we're only a few dollars short of you know getting to that point I'm like ah, i'll boost my thing up another six bucks you know just right? to kind of you know to get it get it that get much it over closer. the high. i mean yeah, yep. it works it really does it gets me excited even if i know I'm like, I, I don't know if I, I'm never going to be able to, you know, get this thing myself, but I want to see it available to someone, you know, like right. I want to, I want to see the reveal of it, you know, right. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it, it's it, it, I don't know. It's that's the community that part of it. That's so yes. cool. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I it's, I, I love how you continue uh, with, with the, the, the charitable causes that you do for every book. Um, I, everyone I think has had a different, uh charity hasn't it yeah um we stuck with the same one on local hero um uh just because that was a good one and it kind of felt good to tie it in but all the other ones uh even my art book the charity uh or no was it actually no the blood and bullets one went to uh native american heritage association okay yes and then it was hearts and horses that we did the montage art book Uh, because I did a special print that everybody who backed that tier (coughs) and it had horses and a Mustang and a cowgirl and Mm -hmm. had all this, uh, kind of art together, if you will. 
I love it, man. Um, so with, with uh, the, the the second issue of Blood and Bullets, we 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 got the good we we got the big setup as far as you know where where uh, it could potentially be going. Listen, potentially because even then there's still some things that happened in the first. It was like I didn't see that coming, you know. So, but um, you're you're setting up a big revenge story for the most part. Um, is yeah. there? Um, <laughs> you know who the bat is. I mean, at this point, a 48 page graphic novel, you kind of know for the most part, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. Now somebody could turn on somebody else and you don't know how that's all going to work out. And each has had their own sort of victories so far, but right. there are some bigger reveals that are coming in the second, uh, story about the origins of a few characters i dig it man i dig <laughs> it I, I, I knew that i knew there was something more to all this too i mean it's not that i'm not loving where it's at already but i just <laughs> I, I i i have a mm, i i after the uh seeing blackbird getting a blackbird right right yep yeah but the, the, seeing her uh her role elevated as the uh the end of this first issue went on i just i Something, something's telling me there's there's something more to this character for sure. That, that's just me. I mean, and the whole uh, the spiritual side with her father, and bringing him into this. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's just, there's a lot of irons in this fire that I can't wait to see. Uh, <laughs> at, at their, uh, you know, at their hottest, man. Because this is this is exciting. It is. It, it, it's been a long time since somebody's created good Western content as well. It's, like, it's not uh, it's not on the cutting edge. It's not super hip, right? Because that's an old no. school thing. Because in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, almost all the comics were Western, right? Before yeah. superheroes, before Superman in like 36 or whatever, you know, the comics were Westerns, right? And there was, you know, kid so-and-so and, and, you know, Western tales and all this kind of stuff. So there's a few people out there doing them, but not very many because right. it's not the super hip thing to do. But I had written a screenplay called Dead by Sundown, which the producer who ended up optioning Blood and Bullets was interested in is a female producer. And she had done some uh, projects for Lifetime and A&E and a few things like that. And she said, I like this concept. This is cool. Westerns and vampires. Yeah, I've never seen that. She said, however, the story that I had written had mostly lead male characters, pretty traditional, had one female character who was the love interest to the main hero. And she said, I would love to see a story kind of like this that had more lead female characters. And I said, you know, pretty much with no obligation, if I was to write something like that, would you be interested? She said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So within like a month or two months, I had written a completely new story. It's not a rehashing of the other one. So I wrote Blood and Bullets and sent it to her and she immediately optioned it. And she optioned it several times again over the years. Um, and she made other movies in the meantime. But what happens is, is a producer might go to a executive producer who's the money guy, mm -hmm. right? Says, I've got a couple hundred grand or I've got a million to invest in a film. What do you got? And they'll bring them a slate of films. They'll bring you three or four screenplays and say, read these, let me know what you like. And they might say, this one seems more commercial. I think that, you know, A&E or Lifetime or somebody would buy this one. And they say, you know, let's put our money on that. So that's okay. why she had that. It just didn't get the kind of funding that she needed to produce it. So then I said, I'm going to go ahead and make this into a screenplay or a graphic novel series. So 
within the next, you know, sort of month when Sean is done with coloring and our lettering gets done, I can put together the PDF, send it back to her and other producers. I have another producer waiting to see it in Australia. And um, then I can say, now take this to your, your production companies and your money people and say, how do you like me now? Mm-hmm. Because it's storyboarded. They literally right. can see the movie and the trailers and go, oh, oh, now it's a comic? Okay, that's like Marvel. That's like The Walking Dead. That's like mm-hmm. Road to Perdition and Kick-Ass and everything else. It just, you, you have 10 times the clout of just another screenplay with a title page that says right. fade into white, you know? Right, especially when you could say it's also made $35,000 already um, sure. on a Kickstarter market. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And usually, you know, due to your secondary sales and after campaigns and things like that, like Loco Heroes already, you know, essentially that first story arc Mm -hmm. is, you know, has made over a hundred thousand dollars. Now that's not profit, right? You have a lot of hard costs in there and your hard costs are usually well over 50%. So it's not like suddenly as a producer, you have, oh my God, I got a hundred grand in my pocket. No, no. You, ha- you might have 10 or 20,000 in your pocket. And for what, and I've mentioned this to you before, I immediately put that money to work with other artists. Mm-hmm. And so right now I have eight graphic novel projects being produced mm-hmm. around the world. So I have the book of Mark, which is a supernatural occult horror. That's uh, probably going to end up being 80 to a hundred pages. That's awesome. from a screenplay. I have the Midnight Cafe, which has, it's an anthology and there's a Halloween story, sci-fi story, and a um, Bigfoot story in the first issue. Awesome. And oh, so yeah. that will be actually my next campaign in early spring will be the Midnight Cafe issue number oh, one. Uh, awesome. And so those will be ongoing short stories. Uh, and then I have a steampunk. I have a post-apocalyptic. I have a werewolf meets x games mm-hmm. action horror called frostbite you know oh just, awesome <laughs> which oh, is you I know werewolves it. werewolves attack a, a a remote uh ski lodge you know kind mm-hmm. of area and that's again based on another story that i wrote that i never wrote as a screenplay but it was like a 10 to 20 page synopsis um we have another one called they might be monsters which is a group uh, in in that world, the cryptids have come out. In other words, Bigfoot has proven real and okay. the Loch Ness monster and all this, but they're also smart and articulate. So they right. they come out in our world, and this is about five or ten years later. And so our team they they call us monsters is a spec ops, uh, like a SEAL Team Six that's cryptids. And so the leader is a Bigfoot and there's Mothman and Ichabod Crane, the Headless Horseman and a Salem witch and their dog is a chupacabra and, oh, you know, like it, really man. cool stuff. And the, the son of the Jersey devil. So he's like Ju- Jersey devil junior. And so um, that's going to be a cool story because you get to combine lore and characters that we know, but you yeah. get to tell a totally brand new story. And there's a great line in the first kind of opening, introducing it. And Bigfoot essentially has a press conference. Like there's a reveal and people freak out, run the other direction. It's like King Kong. But the people who stick around are like, oh my God, like 
how did you learn to talk and things like that? And he's like, well, you guys leave newspapers and magazines and all these <laughs> kinds of things. And so for years and years and decades, you know, we've stayed hidden, but we've learned your ways. And he's like, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a lot bigger than you. And so is my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guy's okay. like, oh, crap, this guy's got a bigger brain than I do. <laughs> oh, okay. I love you it. Know? I like that angle. And, and so you, you know, you, you can tell some stories about how, how creatures came out and it didn't go well. And they were pretty much just like shot and killed on the spot. Exactly. And then there's other times you, you get son of a little bit of the kind of racial tensions you get in a lot of the X-Men stories where mm-hmm. non-humans don't, or humans don't like mutants, right? That's right. always humans don't like other humans who aren't like them. Exactly. We're trying to be yeah. better about it in our current evolution. But mm-hmm. as one person once told me, there was probably tribes of cavemen years ago who went, that tribe's not us. They're not with us. Let's go kill them. Right, right. right. They were their loincloths. Oftentimes what we don't understand, we fear, right? And that's why we've been drawn to stories like Bigfoot and Loch Ness and aliens and all that kind of thing. And I love telling stories like that from the point of view of, I remember reading Tales from the Crypt and Dark Side and, you know, amazing stories and all those kinds of things. And it's not always going to go well. Mm -hmm. No, I see I like that. Uh, I guess it, it shouldn't always go well. Otherwise, it's no, it's not, not realistic. Much of a, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to have cool drama. So, um, so that's a that's a story we're pretty excited about. There's just, you know, me. There's a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll have an idea, and it might even be a nucleus of I don't even have pages yet, and I'll go find an artist and say, Hey, why don't you draw me up some concepts? Here's here's character descriptions I've written up. Let's see what you got, mm-hmm. you know, impress me. And yes. you might be the artist for this whole project. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like, well, if I hire you, you're going to do a 48 page graphic novel for one. And they're like, what? Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I can, I can say firsthand is that, you know, Sean Callahan's friend and somebody that's got to speak with him very recently about, you know, the experiences of working on a Monty Michael Moore project it's 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 a contract you want to keep having <laughs> put in front of you. I mean, the, the the guy couldn't be more pleased being on these projects with you, man. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's awesome to work with people like Sean who are timely and professional, and that's what I expect out of them. And I expect to hold myself to that same standard, so that when they give me things, I also get back to them in a timely basis. Because if they send me something and I don't look at it for a week, and they're like. I kind of need you to approve that so I can also get paid. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's how this industry works. Right. Right. I'm the same way when I, uh, Hey, I've got a cover done for somebody here. It is. Do you need changes? Do you not need changes? You don't want that to drag out. So I try to treat them how I like to be treated. Mm -hmm. And you know, when those invoices came, come in, they're paid on a timely basis because they all have bills as well. And if they say, here's my invoice. And five minutes later, I say that invoice is paid right? Mm-hmm. They go right back mm-hmm. to work. Yep. And they're like, yeah, cha-ching, let's yep. keep rolling. You know, yep. because that's how I am. Hey, what else you got for me? Oh, here's another 10 pages. Here's, you know, and I would say right now I'm juggling a lot. I don't want to take on a lot more because I have so many teams and things going. Um, right. But uh, the next two years is already mapped out. 
awesome. now that could change because I actually don't have any blood and bullets or loco hero in the lineup, but that may change because I will want those two stories. Those are designed to be ongoing. Whereas right. a couple of these others, like the book of Mark um, workhorse, which is a steampunk story mm. kind of set in the, the Western kind of time frame is they're more like one shots. They're just pure graphic novel. You know, I mean, I guess if they were gotcha. super successful and I didn't kill the characters off, I could write more if I chose to. <laughs> um, but uh, at the moment, they're more contained stories as opposed to setting up a whole world like Loco Hero was di- designed to be from the get go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, uh, well, as fans, we could be patient as long as you just keep giving us stuff. You know, it's all well, I learned something from <laughs> I learned something from Brian, you know, quite a few years back. And I think I told you this. I, I had the misunderstanding that I felt like I didn't want to go to the well, the Kickstarter mm-hmm. well, too often because it okay. was I felt like I was asking my friends for money. Like, hey, I got a new art book. You want a copy? Do you mm-hmm. they're like, oh, thanks. I already got one. Um, but uh that was a misnomer on my part because rather than saying hey, you're asking me to support your projects too often. What you're saying is, I've got a new product. You, you've shown that you like this. So if yes. I can bring them products on a quarterly basis, mm-hmm. which each of these projects takes about a year often, six months to a year yeah. to produce, um, you, you got to be way ahead of the curve. That's why Brian mm-hmm. is a year and a half out on yeah. his projects uh, because he has teams working and you know, he'll be working with 30 artists at once, whereas I might be working with eight or 10, um, that, uh, you're trying to keep those things going and you're building a more regular fan base where people say, okay, well, I'm prepared to back a project of Monty's per quarter. And you have people who might back to the tune of 20 bucks and you might have people who back to the tune of 500 bucks. Right. But if they plan for it and they know like, oh man, Monty over delivers, he gives me opportunities to get drawings and sketches, really cool covers, the best cover artists he can find and stories that you actually want to read. Yeah. To me, as I've mentioned, that's one of the most fulfilling things because I've built a career of making pretty pictures, mm-hmm. pictures that for the most part, people put on their wall. I don't get to write Star Wars, but now to actually have people who send you a testimonial like this morning I woke up. One of the first things I read was from uh, Roger Navarro over in Australia. Always takes the time to write and say what he thinks, you know, testimonial, mm-hmm. honest testimonial. Red is red blood and bull or red loco hero too. Loved it. Here's what I love. This is what you brought in. You had surprises, mm-hmm. you had realistic characters, but it had action and delivered what they expected it to be. Oh, I thought it was going to be a happy ending, but then you did this at the end. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel good because if people, I would feel disappointed if people said, Hey, don't get me wrong. I just buy it for the cover art. I'd be like, Hey, I get it. I'm a cover artist myself, but the writer side of me would die just a little bit on the inside. Come on, man. You know, like I spent a lot of hours and, Mm -hmm. and days thinking about this and writing a quality story and something that I feel not having read everything that's on the market, that it should stand up against a good portion of what's out there and what people are reading. Because I know right. from other readers who have said, oh, 
you know, writing has dropped off. It's become all about the coloring or it's become all about the covers in mm-hmm. the last 10, 15 years. I'm sure Brian's the same way. Yeah, right. he knows cover art sells comics, but he's a creator. He's a writer and he wants people to read his stories. Yes. Yes. Well, you 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 create readable material. There's no doubt about it. I mean, sure, you can absolutely you know, have your choice of covers to to pick from and buy them all and collect them all in your campaigns. You you give us a tremendous amount of uh, uh, options in, in that way. But in the end, to to not open up these books and read them, it, it really is. It, it, it's I don't want to say it's a complete waste, but it's damn close to it because there is there's incredible story going on in 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 these books between Blood and Bullets and Local Hero. That like I said, it's just you're not getting that out of the the big two as far as substance goes um, and you're I'm, and you're not getting to enjoy the labors of the penciler and the color oh, yeah, and exactly. the letterer and the layout and all that kind of thing there's all these people's labors that have to come together and most comics projects i would say are like mine in that it takes a team to do it that's why my projects took so long to come to fruition because for mm-hmm. years i couldn't figure out if I was okay, just being the writer, right? Because people expected me like, Monty, you're this artist that we all know and you need to do the art inside. And I'm like, that's not my bag, baby. I'm not a yeah. sequential artist. I'm a, you know, I'd rather spend 80 hours on one piece of art or one painting than right. eight, 10 hour pages. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it works out too, because I mean, there's, there's a, a, no shortage of people out there willing to do, to do just that to spend you know eight hours on you know yeah 80 hours on 10 pages you know it's 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 uh, so uh, with you being able to do this it, it's providing that opportunity it's creating jobs it's it's, it's <laughs> i mean it is but at the same time it's given the means for people like uh sean callahan and, and the folks like that to 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 be showcased and noticed as well mm-hmm. like to see to go up to fan expo and you know i i, I didn't know he was going to be there you know i didn't know he was on the ticket and then he came up and you know i felt like someone was following me and i turn around and saw sean there man i was like fuck yeah you made it dude you made it like this is this is awesome you know you like, get to move from one side of the table to the other yeah because last time we had a show i remember I got him tickets and I had some extra tickets and I was like, yeah, I can get you a ticket, you know, come by with me ahead of time. And we were, you know, this would have been two years ago. So we were just starting on projects. He was doing coloring and things for me, but when you get to move from I'm going to the convention to I'm exhibiting mm-hmm. and then the final step, I'm a guest at a convention is uh, you know, it's that evolution of an artist. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's it's happening through through books like Blood and Bullets. Man, this is it's awesome. Um, I mean, I I know this this campaign is going to be amazing. I know that you're. I mean, I know that your your stretch goal options are always amazing. Um, uh, what I think I, I still have. We're, yeah, we're only. I, I I'd tell you the link, but we're waiting on our approval from Kickstarter. So the campaign is built. You know, we're planning on launching. Uh, you know, probably six p.m. in the evening on next Wednesday. So a week from today on the 17th, um, uh, you can follow, you know, people can follow the blood and bullets page. They can follow me online, uh, Mav arts or look up Monty Michael Moore. Uh, I also have a really cool fan group called certified Montiacs, uh, 
which is on Facebook. And uh, so there'll be lots and lots of posts there as well. And that's the only reason why we don't have a direct URL to share out at the moment. Um, but uh, if people were to go to inked.pub slash BNB2, I'm sure that Kevin over at Inked Marketing has already got that pointing towards the Blood and Bullets yes. Facebook page. Yes. And um, I, I'm, uh, of course, going to be sharing it out throughout all of my groups and pages as well right as on. this Appreciate campaign that. goes on. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm excited. Uh, I know that there's going to be some awesome stuff coming in the mail outside of uh, just the book. I mean, just I, I was looking at the backer board here, like one of the <laughs> these, yep. these things. Uh, it's a, it's a metal. metal aluminum <laughs> yeah deck playing card with art on it you know we uh, try to have cool and gorgeous. different stuff the last one had a poker chip we had a patch yes. Yes. Uh, we had sketch cards uh this is a lot of neat stuff you know one of the pins looked like the back of a shotgun shell there, there was yeah. there was cool shit oh yeah man no it's uh, always delivered on these campaigns so if this is your listeners your first time backing a monty campaign just mm, you're gonna be you're gonna wonder why the thing is so heavy you're gonna think i don't remember ordering this many copies <laughs> that's and a good then, sign <laughs> no, it, no every time i'm like i don't think shit did i screw up exactly well and and I realized that, that, you know, even starting point, if you're just getting the book, you know, it's more like 20, 25 bucks with shipping, but it is a double size issue. It is a graphic yes. novel. So, and it's not um, like magazine flimsy paper either. Like I, I no, you no, can no, read no. this with confidence and yeah, still it's, think it's, if you want to get it graded after you read it, still come back at nine, eight. Yep. And actually know? anybody who does get the backs of physical one, you do get the digital as well. So if you prefer reading on an iPad and you don't want to crank on the pages, you certainly can. Uh, do that option. So we try to have various price points uh, to involve everybody. Um, but because it is a project that also, as I said, it takes kind of a small army of artists and creators. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where, where the price point comes in around that $20 point. But the two issues together, you're talking hundred pages, almost of story 96 yeah. uh, uh, plus extras that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good long ride. That's like four issues of a regular comic. It, it is. It, it really is. I mean, it, the, the value is beyond there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, just uh, like I said, it's it's quality all the way around. I mean, this thing, this is a big, thick book, man. I mean, it's everything now, about it. It's thank it's, you. it's what you want. It's, it's Maybe exactly USA, what you want. baby. Printed right Damn down in straight. Arizona, which is actually where the story takes place. Ah, look at that. <laughs> ah. I dig it, man. Um, Monty, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, you know, for having I'm me on be, again, Brian. Oh, anytime. I think uh, I, I think this is like the fourth time now. I mean, you're yeah. You're, I think we've done one for every campaign, so yeah. you're the only person who's had me on for every yeah. every one. We'll keep that going, man. Because it Absolutely. sounds like spring's gonna be a fucking delight. oh, it's gonna be I right can't... up your alley. <laughs> let me tell you. Midnight oh, Cafe, I can't wait, man. It's gonna be cool. Yes, this this oh. I'm going to hold my questions. Um, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk real soon, Monty. And I, okay, I, know that, uh, I think local hero too should be here like any day in the mail. So that's, that's yep. exciting. We, uh, we were our anticipated uh, fulfillment was November and the very first week in November, we started shipping oh. right away and uh, people are already getting their packages and sending out which is great timing for us because that allows yes. us to, uh, as soon as the current Coffin Comics Kickstarter ends, 
it. <laughs> and some of the oxygen comes back into the room. It allows uh, some of us to, <laughs> to launch and do our thing and get it done before Christmas. So that's, uh, that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, I, I gotta say again, congratulations on everything that's happened um, from star Wars and beyond. Uh, it's just, it's, it's surreal. I mean, it's, it's cool though. I got to talk to the guy that's doing it. I couldn't imagine being the guy that's doing it. So yeah. It's um, kind of a dream come true, but I appreciate people like you also helping get the, the, not only the word out there, but people like you who have the kind of energy you do and a sh shared similar passion, your, your energy energizes me. It makes uh, me excited to help get the campaign out there. I'm like, man, Brian's fired up. This is awesome. All right, let's go do this. Ah, that means it's working. It's working. And it's not yeah. a persona. It's just how I, I mean, this is what I felt like I was destined to be. So, um, well, if you were a dud, I wouldn't come on your show. <laughs> I appreciate that. I would like to think not. I would like to think not, especially for four times. I mean, it's just <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. um, Monty, I'll let you get back to it. I know that you said you got some badass uh, art you're working on just a few inches over to your uh, right there. Oh, uh, yeah. There's Star Wars over there. Mm. There's Loco Hero there. Oh, here's uh, a little sketch cover. This hasn't fully debuted yet. This is actually oh, shit. Jesus this is a Lady Christ. Death sketch cover. Now, this was actually from the Loco Hero campaign. People don't have to pick Loco Hero character as a sketch cover um but, damn. so i think i'm only offering two or three different versions so this particular fan or backer um but i do have a little bit of art here these are some drawings i did yesterday and <laughs> these may end up being part of the just the promo art and i'm going to actually have these digitally colored instead of me painting them so that they have more of the comic style and so those are things that uh are all working on and going on uh around me so oh that's so awesome man um well i'll let you get to it uh, you're you're clearly very busy we'll uh we'll talk soon monty i, I really Thanks so much appreciate Brian. It. Uh, cheers brother have a good one. Oh yeah you as well coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to it's your boy jay west with my co-host mac east from the we get dub podcast what up nerds it's me mac east and we got a badass anime podcast for you we got hot sauce we got hot takes we got booze and banter and you can listen to us on all major platforms the we get dub podcast hits harder than a goku gut punch <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, episode 372 in the books. Another creator has been cornered. Monty Michael Moore for the fourth time. Back for the second time on Kickstarter with Blood and Bullets. Oh, man, Inked Marketing bringing it to you, man. This is what they do. These are the type of campaigns they run. So, I mean, like I said, this is Monty Michael Moore. I guess if you're somebody that's been, you know, a creator that's been listening to this and like, what is this Ink Marketing about? Um, well, you know, Inked Marketing reaches out to more than just up-and-coming uh, creators. Monty Michael Moore, man, this is this is the type of mm -hmm, everybody. Everybody could use a a marketing hand, right? But Monty Michael Moore himself, how about that guy? How about his uh his his ability to put words together and form awesome sentences in the midst of mediocre questioning? Um, <laughs> I love the dude, man. Um, so, yeah, please uh, head on over to Kickstarter and back Blood and Bullets 2. BNB2, I think, is uh, the uh, inked.pub slash BNB2, I do believe. 
So, yeah, no, you're going to want to know this one, people. You like vampires, you like westerns, it's it's a good one. Um, and as always, i got to remind you, and not as always, as of recently, I have to start reminding you of the Cheers to Comics store. Yes, Cheers to Comics is now a, a web store as well, so hit up shopcheerstocomics.com for your comic book shopping needs, and uh, watch as the store expands and grows weekly. Weekly, baby. Uh, the inventory constantly being updated. And you use code PODCAST when you're checking out to save yourself some money. Save another 10% off already amazingly prized books. I always try to leave a little bit of meat on the bone there. I look at those eBay prices, I'm like, yeah, I think I could do a little better. So that's that's how we roll there. Uh, so head on over. ShopCheersToComics.com. Use code PODCAST at checkout and save yourself some money. And uh, also, I'm doing live sales as now as well people uh so if you're not a member of the cheers to comics facebook group or more more so like the cheers to comics facebook page but if you're not a member of the group you're you're screwing up because there's some fun fun content in there some content in there can possibly gain you some mm-hmm. you know i put out the pull list priorities once a week there's other stuff that happens throughout the week oh yeah i don't just drop knowledge through a microphone people hit up that group Hit up the, the the Facebook group and also subscribe to the YouTube channel as well because that's you know YouTube and Facebook that's where I'll be going live so check out all of that stuff there on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Why did I say Pacific time? Mountain time. Sorry, 6 p.m. Mountain time. And I know it used to be five, but you know the the the, the focus group has said 6 p.m. would be a better start. So that's that's what we're going with, people. Uh, <laughs> 6 p.m. Mountain Time. It's going to be fun. Now, I will talk to you the next time there's things about comics to talk about. In the meantime, I command you stay safe and read responsibly. Cheers. You're listening to Cheers to Comics Podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics Podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics Podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics Podcast. Podcast recommendations, you ask? Brian Wayne here, co-curator of The Apocalypse, And I know that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apocalypse. What is The Apocalypse? The Apocalypse is a culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcast the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think The Apocalypse, man. And it's ironic because The Apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, uh, role-playing, uh, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse with a D. 
Hmm. And do not forget to follow The Apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is The Apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, The Apocalypse is sure to have something for you.